I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with John Helemka, CIO at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. John will be discussing BIDMC's security priorities for 2014, as well as the privacy and security issues involving Google Glass, which is a wearable technology that BIDMC has been piloting in its emergency department for several months. Hi, John. Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us. And very happy to be here because, of course, security is probably 50% of the work that I do today. In some ways, CIO should now be the compliance information officer. So now tell us, what are your top information security priorities for 2014 and explain why those are your top priorities? There's two ways to look at this. When you look at the federal and state governments, increased enforcement of privacy laws, and I mean the HIPAA omnibus rule, plus state-level laws in Massachusetts, we happen to have Chapter 305. What you're seeing are record-setting settlements for simple things like stolen laptops or mobile devices or USB drives that disappear, maybe even stolen medical devices. So on the one hand, a whole lot of work has to go into policy making and education and training and physical security, those things that are outside the realm of the CIO precisely. So sure, there's all this compliance regulatory work, but there's also a vast amount of technical work. And when we think about some of the threats we have today, of course, we all have to pick some kind of risk-based framework, whether you like NIST 853, COBIT-5, or ISO something, you just have to take a peek at what formalized framework allows you to analyze all the things you do, your technologies and your procedures, to ensure you mitigate risk. So let me go through a few of the risks that I think healthcare will find important in 2014. In the Boston Globe a couple of weeks ago, there was an article about a cyber attack on hospitals in Boston. And specifically, this was a distributed denial of service attack that brought down websites, congested networks, made internet sites hard to read and reach from internal to the hospitals. And so hospitals in some ways have depended on what I'll call the Blanche Dubois principle, that is trusting in the kindness of strangers. And it's clear that in 2014, preparing for a distributed denial of service attack is something we all need to do. We need to put into place those firewalls, risk mitigations, outsource services, et cetera. So should denial of service occur, we're able to protect and defend against it. As well, we are seeing some interesting threats, you know, whether it's your Android phone that's infected, whether it's the credentials that you put into a hotel computer are screen scraped. It is no longer sufficient just to look at standard security logs. You need to have integrated security information and event management that brings together network logs and user logs, application logs, server logs, and looks for non-obvious association. So if Marianne logs in from Boston at noon and Shanghai at 3, that's probably impossible given time constraints and physics and reality. Therefore, it's probably that credentials have been compromised. And these are the sorts of tools and technologies we're putting in place. Increasingly, the threats of malware are quite sophisticated. I was just reading this morning about some novel mobile phone infections that are occurring. So 
we need to put in place intrusion detection and prevention systems that are able to give us more detail about the nature of our network traffic and do differential comparisons. If it's the case that most of the traffic on this subnet was on this port at this volume, and today it's a different port with a different volume, pretty clear that something has become infected and action must be taken. Also increasingly, plaintiff attorneys and various members of our regulatory state and federal frameworks are wanting forensics. When an event occurs, they want to know what happened, where the data flowed, what was done with the data. As an example, about a year and a month ago, the Boston Marathon bombings occurred, and Beth Israel Deaconess received not only 24 victims, but two perpetrators. And of course, many questions about who looked at what records, and where was data sent, and was anything copied, was anything changed, come up. So you need very good network forensics tools. And finally, as I was getting at, with regulatory oversight, there's more and more focus on the endpoint. In the past, there was a balance you had to strike between ease of use and security where you say, oh, doctors probably need access to patient information 24-7 wherever they are on whatever device they are using. But given the sophistication of malware today, given the cyber criminal efforts to steal medical identities, you probably have to add measures of protection which cause inconvenience. And that might be multi-factor authentication, VPN requirements, virtual desktops, the idea that you just can't use any device and certainly you can't deposit data on any device. It's the only way you'll stay out of regulatory prison. So at a high level, those are some technology areas that we're working on. But in general, I would say our theme is 2014 is increased security maturity throughout the entire healthcare system. Now, BIDMC has also long been a an early adopter, an innovator when it comes to piloting and deploying new technologies and health IT. As I mentioned earlier, most recently BIDMC has been piloting Google Glass in its emergency department. For those listeners who aren't familiar with Google Glass, please briefly describe what Google Glass is and tell us how BIDMC is using Google Glass. Sure. So Google Glass, in effect, is like an iPhone you wear on your face. (laughs) What it has is a high-definition screen. It has a high-definition camera. It has a touch sensor. It has an accelerometer. It has Wi-Fi. And, in effect, an Android phone without the actual cellular connection, all built into a pair of glasses. So you ask the question, how in healthcare could this be used? Well, imagine a critical patient comes into the emergency department. You don't really know who that patient is. Two minutes later, a family member shows up and says, oh, that's Bob. Well, the emergency physician is in the middle of resuscitating this critical patient, Now, if that physician is wearing Google Glass, suddenly the data about that patient appears. Problems, meds, allergies, labs, critical issues. We actually had a couple of lives saved thus far with our Google Glass pilot when patients came in unresponsive and we were, say, able to uh, discern from the medical records displayed on Google Glass what allergies they had and prevent harm. Here I have a syringe of a medicine. I'm going to give it now. Oh, no, here comes the allergies. That patient would have died if I would have given this medicine. 
These are the kinds of interventions wearable computers can make. Now, as you point out, security is key because the distribution version of the software on Google Glass puts all data into Google Hangout. It flows over Google's servers. We have worked with an outsourced external company called Wearable Intelligence to create software running on Google Glass that keeps all data inside our firewall, only writes data to our servers. There is, in fact, none of the Google native software left on Glass, so we have total control of the security characteristics of the device. It can only bond to our secure WPA enterprise network. It can only send data in an encrypted pipe. It can only deposit media like photographs or video into the electronic health record on our servers, and there's no data persistence on the device so that if they are lost or stolen, there isn't a HIPAA violation waiting to be had. And of course, we've implemented what I call multi-multi-multi-factor authentication it's a device you're wearing, it's who you are, it's the room you're in, and we use tokens that are QR codes that you can look at with your glass that give you authorized access to various applications and patients. So a lot of thinking about security. So now, since BIDMC is often early to try and implement new technologies such as Google Glass, Can you describe for us briefly the sort of process you go through to assess the security and privacy risks of new technologies? And what is that process like? Sure. So we have something called the Change Control Board, and that has all of our infrastructure people and all our security people sitting around a room for two hours every Wednesday. And any time a new technology or a changing configuration of an existing technology is suggested, it's the in-network people, it's the server people, it's the desktop people. It is a collaborative, multidisciplinary look at what vulnerabilities such a change or new technology might introduce. So only once formal sign-off is given is that change executed or that technology acquired. Now, you touched upon some of this earlier on, but what do you think are the biggest emerging cybersecurity threats that are facing the healthcare sector and why? So when I started as CIO, the hackers you worried about were the MIT freshmen. For fun, you know, they would attack a Harvard network to prove, oh, it's a badge of courage. Look, you know, I was able to get into the library catalog. Well, today, it's a totally different kind of attack highly sophisticated, organized criminals attempting to get medical identities because although, Marianne, I could buy your Social Security number for a quarter and your credit card for a dollar, a comprehensive electronic health record, including your insurance information and enough detail for me to get free surgery might be $1,000. It is a commodity that is hot on the black Internet. And therefore, one has to build multi-layered defenses. It's not just one technology. It's multiple technologies in order to repel these highly sophisticated and organized hacking attempts. Do you see more attempts on your networks these days than, say, a few years ago? There's a couple of answers to that question, which is the Internet is increasingly a swamp, (laughs) and the number of attacks that come in I've just increased in frequency, whether it's 
the fact that 98% of all mail hitting our gateway is spam, the number of phishing attacks and spear phishing attacks certainly have increased, but also social engineering is on the increase where individuals call up the help desk or call up an employee and attempt to get information that would result in compromise of systems. So absolutely, the nature and intensity of the threats has increased. So now finally, you mentioned regulatory issues earlier on. It's been more than a year since HIPAA Omnibus went into effect. What's been the most challenging provision to implement? Well, in an academic healthcare center, you have researchers and clinicians you have volunteers and contractors. So it's a very rich kind of environment. Historically, such an environment didn't have a centralized, top-down authority. It's very federated, very distributed. And so it's our responsibility now, if there is a breach of anything by anybody, it was basically the CIO's fault. (laughs) And so hence our... Real efforts over the last year have been to categorize every individual by role and give them access rights that are minimal for that role and give them constant education about their responsibilities for keeping data safe. Just a huge educational campaign, an increase in intensity of awareness. Uh, We call it our Keep It Private campaign. You can't even buy a chocolate chip cookie in the cafeteria without getting a sticker on the back reminding you to keep it private. Thanks, John. I've been speaking to CIO John Halemka. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.